With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Italy. Blog Talk Radio. If it's smooth jazz, then the jazz queen is talking about it on Talking Smooth Jazz. Your place for all things smooth. Artist. Nicholas Cole. Vincent Ingala. Jonathan Fritzen. And news with the smoothest show on the internet radio, your host, the Jazz Queen. Hello and welcome to Talking Smooth Jazz. I am your host, the Jazz Queen. It is Sunday, November 24th, 2013. If you would like to join me in the chat room, please go to TalkingSmoothJazz.com and click on Terry Woman's picture and that will bring you into the chat room. The phone number is 646-716-5485. 646-716-5485. Let me welcome to the chat room Joe from Germany and Rough Track at Barkwood Studios. Welcome to the show. Uh, my guest today is guitarist Terry Woman. I met Terry on the Dave Cos cruise I went on last month or maybe in September. And um, he is the third artist from that cruise we've interviewed. So welcome to the show, Terry. Uh, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Uh, just before we came on, you were saying something about Gianni? Yeah, I was going to say we might get a little surprise call in from uh from Europe today during this uh, interview. Oh, that would be wonderful. That would be wonderful. Yeah. All right. So cool. Keep your All right, so eyes open. Um, yeah, okay, definitely. Um I wanted to ask you about the cruise. Um mm-hmm. unfortunately, I remember talking to you on the cruise and saying to you that I was coming to your um solo show on Thursday night, I believe it was. I did a, quite I, a few. Yeah, so I don't yeah. remember which night but yes, I remember speaking with you about it. Yes, I think it was either Thursday or Friday night. But I ended up getting mm-hmm. sick um, oh, no. Thursday, and it hit me so hard. I was in the bed all day Friday, mm-hmm. so I think it was Friday night you were performing. Yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah. Um, yeah, I was in the bed all day Friday, so it just uh, knocked so me sorry out. Sorry to hear that. I'm sorry I missed that show, but no, um, that's for uh, for a good reason. Yeah, <laughs> but I did see you perform, you know, on the ship in other in other venues as well. So right. I'm very happy to have you on. As I said, you are the third artist I've interviewed from the cruise. I'm Gianni Vancini and um, Gabriel Johnson. Uh, we interviewed. Oh sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was really nice um, to talk there was to you a, guys. a lot and, of talent on that on that cruise. Dave really knows how to how to put a party together. Our friend oh, Dave, yeah. you know, just, you know, just brilliant, and I. I had such a great time musically and personally. You know, I just getting to meet so many fans. You know, to have uh, three thousand, you know, captive fans that that want to be there, that love music, and uh, it was 
a thrill. And then to share being in the Mediterranean with you and with, with everybody else was such a blast. Yeah, we had a great time. Such, and that was mm-hmm. my first time out of the country. Um, so oh, no kidding. It was really special for me, yes. Okay, yes, well, you just really got spoiled. <laughs> yes, <laughs> definitely. Because the bar was set really high. <laughs> yes, and I want to come back. <laughs> yeah, I'd I love to definitely to come back. Yeah, I, yeah. I encourage you and, and everybody. It's just so important, you know, that we see other parts of the world besides our own little universe that we live in. You oh, know, I agree. I great to do that yeah let me introduce you to my co-host mike reynolds mike meet terry woman hey terry how's it going hi mike oh i'm doing great it's really nice to meet you mike same here same here and we have another phone call um i'm going to take area code 714 welcome to talking smooth jazz hello hi welcome to the show what's your name hi well i'm a very strong supporter and fan of terry hi terry this is al m Hey, how are you? I am good. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. It's so great to hear from you. Here's a, another friend that was actually on the jazz cruise with us. Oh, I all right. It, it yeah. was a fabulous, fabulous time. And um, I actually do have a question, Terry, that I just haven't right. had a chance to ask you um, on a personal level. Mm-hmm. And I was curious about how you decide to name your songs when they're the instrumentals. You know, we're so used mm-hmm. to hearing the songs that have lyrics and there's a story mm-hmm. and we can kind of tag those. And, you know, you can use Buddha's Ear as an example or any of your other wonderful songs. Mm-hmm. Um, and is it the title first and you build something around it or an idea or do you come up with that after? I, I You know, because there's nothing for a fan to tie that to. And right, that's a- yeah, that's a great question. There's, there is always a story with the title. Uh, and they, just like when I write pop songs, you know, vocal tunes, which I do as well as instrumental tunes, you know, I still ponder what the, what the title would be. They, but with instrumental tunes, you're, you're right. There's, it's because there's no lyric. Um, it's, there needs to be just a feeling or, or something I'm trying to express or just an interesting phrase. So sometimes the titles come first, sometimes the songs come first, and I search for titles for the melodies that I feel are a good match. And sometimes they come simultaneously. So it's just like any other kind of, of writing. I, I never really know. But I, you know, sometimes I'll come up with song titles and I'll just write them down and save them for later. You know, okay. Because I go, that's going to be a really cool instrumental title i wonder what song that's going to be that you know and and i'll just wait and see and then other times i've written songs and and just really just sit with it you know it might be a a month or so after i've written a tune where i a a new title or one that i've already written down in in my notebook seems to just come alive you know it seems to connect so uh, for instance my my very first album back in in 1988 was was called Bimini and I written a song called Bimini and Bimini is an island uh, near in the Bahamas that's the closest to Miami where I grew up from and I spent a lot of time on the water so I I like the sound of Bimini I like the image of it it reminded me of a feeling that I was trying to capture in the song so okay. they're, they're always yeah they're they're always different very, very interesting. Well, I'm so excited that I got a chance to call in and talk to you. Um, sorry that yeah, I can't be there probably Wednesday, but I will see you later in the month. I look and, forward to that. Um, You're, you'll be at our Christmas show at Spagatini, right? I will. I will. Mm-hmm. I will. And so, would you spell your name for me, please? Well. Spell my I'm, name I'm is 
A L A N N E. Alani. Al Ann. Al Ann. Okay, Al Ann. Right. Oh, that's pretty. Right. Al Ann. Well, I appreciate you calling in, Al Ann. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you guys. Thanks for Enjoy thanks for being our first caller. What a treat. Okay, for me too, Terry. Thank you. Okay, you're very welcome. All right, bye bye. Bye. Okay. Um, Joe from Germany has a comment in the chat room. He says, when I heard the title Buddha's Ear for the first time, I was wondering if there's a spiritual message behind it. Um, thanks, Joe. That's, a, that's also another great question. It's, it's a combination. Um, I'm not a Buddhist, um, but, but I'm a spiritual person, and I, this was a title that I like the sound of it. You know, I like that it created, um, you know, people were curious about what it meant. And, and to me, it, it got people to, you know, to, to ponder what the music was about and what the album was about. And, you know, and, and really, the, in a broad stroke, it's really about the art of listening. You know, because mm-hmm. when, when I make my records, I, I really pay attention to detail. I mean, it's, it's always about the song. But I've, I've, I'm always looking for new and unique ways to record every piece of music and come up with, with layers and subtle textures of things that um, w- when you listen to my, my records, I'm, what I strive for is, is the more you listen to them, the more you'll hear, you know, that, right. that things will unfold and reveal themselves on each listen. Or, you know, when you put headphones on, you might you might hear a triangle part or a shaker part or, or a, a little a banjo part that you didn't realize was in there before because it's just it's part of the fabric of putting the song together. So Buddha's here is really about listening, but it's but it's I you know I I don't that particular title I don't like to really say too much more about that because I prefer to to see what peop, what it means to other people. You know mm-hmm. I like keeping the dialogue open so. Yeah, I'm always curious what it means to the the listener as well, what Mm -hmm. they think the title means. Okay. All right. Um, I have another phone call, area code 951. Welcome to Talking Smooth Jazz. Area code 951. Can you hear me? Yes. Hello. Yes, hi. Terry. Yes. Yes. Your long-term friend, Jackie Bertoni, calling in. Jackie, how are you? And a fellow musician and really good friend. It's so nice to hear from you. It's so good to hear this, uh, the little anecdotes behind uh, Buddha's ear. And uh, I love this format. I definitely signed up my for my own station coming up soon. But I wanted to tell the listeners out there that Terry is an amazing, amazing musician. Not only that, mm-hmm. he's a long-term friend yeah. uh, with, uh, with uh, unspoken talent, for the lack of a better word. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we go way back. Yeah, man, yeah, yeah. and Henry, Henry tells me to tell you hello. I think he's listening oh, in thank also. You. <laughs> and, uh, Henry the, uh, being from... our, our friend Henry Capono, a uh, Hawaiian artist that we both uh, love and work with uh, through the years. So that's that. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, what and, do, I'm curious, what does Buddha's ear mean to you? What do you think the title means? I think it's just uh, one's introspective to what your mood is at that time. You know, it's mm-hmm. what... What, um, you know, if you are spiritual to the situation, is what would Buddha say? What is Buddha thinking? You know, I thought right away, but I know you, so I know that wouldn't be your right. background. Mm-hmm. And um, I just, I think it is, 
I again, I think the same situation is that every time you put the headphones on, or if you're driving, or if you're in your own studio, um, it's like any type of a good uh, movie. When you watch it over and over again, you pick up pieces right, that right. just weren't there. And again, too, was your your analogy is about a triangle piece, a shaker piece, um, a guitar riff, uh, you know, whatever it may be, a bass pedal on a on a uh, on a B3 organ. You know, who knows. Right. And, you know, and it's one that, and it's, you know, so many times that when it's something really hits your ear, and I take this as a, uh, as a compliment, is you want to steal that for yourself for when you go mm-hmm. back in the studio. You know, um, and, you know uh, what's the word? Uh, impersonation is the best flattery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and God knows throughout my career, I've taken more knowledge from Lenny Castro and Luis Conte and Paulinho, my mentor, and definitely, sure. you know, and, and spun that into my own sound 25 years later as a studio musician. Sure. As, right, as mm-hmm. they did with their mentors, and we all do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, for the, and, and for those of you uh, listening that haven't seen Terry live, um, <laughs> it, it is, uh, uh, this white boy has got some serious, serious <laughs> funk behind him, for the lack of a better word, plus his influence of his better half, Melanie um, Taylor, Taylor, mine, yeah. Also, so and, and Terry, I do apologize for not coming out to Spags. Um, it's okay. I'm I, I'm under the deadline right now, getting stuff done yeah. on Henry's Christmas album, sure. uh, which is com- which is completed, and then working with uh, Brian Wilson and Jeff Beck on Brian's new album. Oh, good. So yeah, you're so, you're always busy doing amazing things, but no, from no your problem. Lips to, we miss from you. your lips to God's ears. But I wanted to tell you, we, uh, Caprice and I, we love you. We support you. you always, and uh, let's do another expensive dinner at Nam Show this year. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and we'll and we'll talk soon. Sending love and blessings always, and we'll talk to you during the Thanks. week. Thank, Thank you, Jackie. Jackie. L- uh, Jackie, love how do you spell your last name? Jackie, Bertone, how do you spell your last name? Bertone, B E R T O N E. It looks like Bertone, but the E is long. B E R T O N E. Got it. Thank you so much for calling in. Absolute pleasure. God bless everyone. All right. You, you too. Bye bye. Bye bye now. Oh, that was great. That was great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's that a great, great musician too, and yeah. But uh, yeah, when I when I perform, I have fun. You know, I I really uh, I enjoy playing music, and and uh, and it's you know the audience is uh, a a big part of the formula. You know, mm-hmm. making music, it's it's a collective uh, sport. <laughs> You know, doing it without having it heard is is not the complete experience. You know, so to have people call in and and write in that have heard the music or or come to the live shows is it makes it really meaningful to me. Mm. And Doodle's Ear did very well. Um, it was released last year, and mm-hmm. it did very well on the charts. So congratulations yeah, to you on that. Yeah. Thank you. I I have. Um, amazing musicians that I work with that are on the record and they get full credit. You know, I'm always a believer of making sure there's a, a booklet or a digital booklet on iTunes so you can hear who all the players are. And I work with with uh, Jason and Cliff Goroff to do radio promo. And, and radio, um, it's been amazing. The very first single was Mandela that I co-wrote with Kev Moe, and it spent nine months on the Billboard charts. Mm-hmm. You know, just yeah. remarkable and, and thrilling. Yeah, I'm really, really proud. Now, there is a song on here called A Mother's Work. Mm, Terry, when I heard that song, oh, my goodness. What is the story behind that? Well, it's it's basically a true story. I I Mm. took a little bit of liberty to make it 
it um to turn it into a song but um it's really about my two brothers and and I and our oh. what it was like when our mom passed away and us being with her and helping her through that transitioning and you know to helping take care of her and make good decisions and all the way through the end and 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 what happened to us as a family from that experience and it was um the uh, the morning that my mom had uh, her heart surgery, which was the beginning of the end that she never fully recovered from, um, you know, it was you, know, you have to be at the hospital at six in the morning or five in the morning. I, I flew to Miami and you know to be with her and to help. And so I remember just after you know we were with her and they wheeled her into the hospital, I I went and had my rental car and I you know, the sun was coming up and I was back in my hometown of Florida you know in in Miami and um I just felt like I needed to write so I I had a pencil in my bag and I actually looked in the glove compartment of the rental car and pulled out a map of Fort Lauderdale it just for paper and started just writing I needed to write to express what I was feeling because it was it was pretty overwhelming you know and scary and and sad and and you know not knowing how how it was going to unfold and you know so i just i wrote and i basically wrote what turned out to be a a poem um Mm -hmm. with those lyrics of the song um and i wrote all of it except the last verse because the last verse i didn't know how the story was going to end you know so i wrote i wrote as much as what i knew right then and and what Mm -hmm. i was experiencing and uh and then you know about a month later my mom died uh, from complications from the surgery and then i was flying back there for the funeral and and i wrote the last verse during that trip because i felt like i you know it was a way to just express to release and express some emotion you know so it was very personal and the lyrics are very personal and the 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 story really about the song is when when my mom ended up being in a in a rehab facility and she was on a respirator but she was um and, and this is really personal and, and and sounds even a little gory but it's it's important to answer the question and it wasn't gory it was just very personal mm-hmm. um but she was conscious and she knew that we were there she just needed help breathing and so but then the night that we took her off uh the life support um, she was still semi-conscious, and and we were with her, my two brothers and I. And I had a guitar with me, and I just improvised some music, <clears throat> you know, as we were talking to her. And she was, you know, just opened her eyes and was smiling that she had us all there. And and um, that piece of music is the the music that turned out to be the 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 chord, the harmonic structure for the song. I I later on when I was working on Buddha's ear I I was thinking I wonder if there's a song there you know I, or if this is just a poem and just for me but it felt like a really important story to tell that it might be of value to other people besides me and and something larger than me or my family um if I was able to express it in a clear way it might actually even be of service to if, mm-hmm. if i was capable of writing the song and so i was just thinking about it and then i remembered i had this little improvisation that i had done for my mom when we were with her in the hospital so 
I remember I'd written those chords down just on another piece of paper and went and found those chords and, and started looking, and, and they actually, they fit. So, which would make sense. I thought, the, you know, they were both the same experience. One was me expressing myself creatively just through playing the guitar, and the other was sitting in paper and pencil and, and writing words. Um, so I actually went back and tried to put it all together, and, and um, it's the hardest song that I ever wrote because it was so emotional to go back and, and re, you know, just kind of revisit it, to write it from a really honest place. But it was most, most of it was the poem that I had written in this parking lot while the sun was coming up you know, and with the last verse on the plane. And then I just um, took some artistic liberties to make it work as a song instead of as a poem. So that's... Oh, my gosh. How's, how's that for an honest answer? <laughs> oh, and it's such a so, beautiful song. And thank you for sharing that with us, yeah, um, the music. Thank welcome. you for adding it to the CD and sharing it. And yeah. I would like to play that now. Um, this sure, is called this a... Is my, uh, yeah, I just wanted to say this is my really dear friend, Kebmo, who was offered to sing the song. He, I played it for him, and he was really moved by it. So this is, as you were getting ready to say, a mother's work that I wrote, sung by Kebmo. That she spoke 
A beautiful song. What a beautiful song. A mother's work. Uh, oh. <laughs> thank you. Uh, that is from Terry Woman's CD, Buddha's Ear. Just beautiful. Just beautiful. All right. We have Mr. Gianni Vancini on the phone. Hi, Gianni. Hey. How are you? Hey. Hi, everybody. Johnny. Hey, buddy. How hey. are you? Hey. Hi. <laughs> so, everybody. Good to be here um, again. Yeah, um, Johnny Vancini is a wonderful sax player that was recently on your show, and um, he lives in Rome, Italy, and is a dear friend of mine, and we've been starting to make records uh, long distance with each other and and got to do some performing on the cruise, and we've got some things coming up this year, and I'm really excited to be playing guitar on a couple of songs on Gianni's new record. It's very, very cool. It's coming out in January, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oh, 24. Ah, no, that's right. We're having an album release in Los Angeles at, yes. at Bogatini. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. That's yes. going to be a fun, fun uh, yes, night. Yes, yes. And yeah. we'll be there. <laughs> yes, I will be. I will absolutely be there. Yes, I'm, I'm really excited about that. Yeah, and I'm excited about this new record. Yeah. So how are so you, my you friend? Good. Thank you so much. I'm good. I'm fine. I'm doing good, good man. And, yeah. you know, I was just notified that, you know, there's an interview with, you know, one of, of, of my best friends out there. So I was, I was like, <laughs> I need to call. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's such a treat to hear from you. Yes, I agree. Um, so, Gianni, you're going to be, you're coming from Italy to be, uh, to perform at Spogs in January? Yes, January 24th. Ah. Uh, okay. Yeah, that is my first, album release party. Yeah. Yeah, and first yeah. Uh, American um Booking performance, so yeah. it's going to be really, this is actually really the, the, fun. The first one, 
Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be great. And I will be yeah, there. So everybody come on out. Yeah. We both have new records that. coming new records coming out next year too because I'm um I'm working on my 25 year very best of album right now. So um got a little bit behind schedule so won't be out at the beginning of January, but um I'm really excited about that one as well. There's some we've all got some great music coming out next year. Good, good. Yeah. Well, Gianni, it's good to hear from you again. Oh, th- thank you so very much for having me. Thank you so no, very much. You're welcome. We we had so much fun on, um, I know we'll keep talking about the Dave Cause and Friends cruise, um, but only because it was so incredibly fun <laughs> that we just, you <laughs> yeah. know, oh, keep yeah. referring to it. But but we, we got to, Gianni and I got to go and sit in it on each other's shows and, and do do quite a few performances together on the ship, and, and uh I I'm so glad we got to do that. It was a blast, you know, playing with you. Yeah, yeah. Did, did you mention about the bridge thing we did with the captain? No. Why don't you tell them? I didn't say that yet. Oh, we, we had this wonderful chance to play uh, a couple of songs actually on the bridge. Like that that's a very restricted area. You right. can't go there, and you know. So we had this. You know, we were kind of lucky guys. So. <laughs> We had this opportunity to go there and, and and play a couple of songs, and I mean that that was great. That was absolutely we had, great. Yeah. Like, and it, we actually put it up on YouTube, so it's it's on probably both of our sites. I know you can find it on YouTube.com/slash Terry Wallman, and um, you can hear Johnny and I playing uh, the song that's actually from his new album. And it was, you know, it was really. Um, we were lucky to be invited up, but but I'm also I'm I'm not shy about asking um, people <laughs> when when I'm hoping to have something happen and and you know the worst they can say is no. So I was introduced to the captain of the ship, and it was the 11th largest ship in the world, mm-hmm. the Navigator of the Seas that we were on. So it was this amazing vessel, and uh, I met the captain, and he was really nice, and we were talking. So. I just asked him if maybe we could come up and and bring a guitar and sax and and uh you know record up there and he said yes. <laughs> so remarkably but you know g- going through security was was uh interesting. <laughs> you know oh, they, wow. they made it you know it's like going onto the cockpit of an airplane. You okay. know which yeah, is, exactly. of course it needs to be. So um but but they were once they opened up our cases and made sure that everything was safe um, they welcomed us onto the bridge and gave us a tour of how the ship worked. And and definitely I encourage everybody to log on and look at the YouTube videos. There's one that I did with Gianni, and there's another one I did with Jay Gore, uh, Mindy Abair's guitarist, of a new song that Jay and I wrote called Brother Q. So there's two really cool tunes, and you can get an idea of the amazing view from the bridge of, of this spectacular ship. That was yeah, really fun. Yeah. I'm so glad we got to do that. Wow, we did cool. it. We did, brother. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Well, great. Yeah, we did. Wow. We just grabbed each other's iPhones and just filmed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we. I wish the they had offered something like that to the passengers, some type of um, tour, you know, yeah. of, of the rig and ship to the passengers. That would have been nice, but at least you guys it got. Would, a but I, I think just for security reasons, it would be very restrictive on who they yeah. can have up there. We were very, yeah. very lucky yeah. to, to get up there because yeah. you know it's. Um, you know, there's computers and it's everything. You know, it's it's. Um, but uh, the, the view was. I, well, you'll see it. I 
Terry, you know, go look at the video so you'll you'll kind of feel like okay. you were there with us because we made we wanted to share that experience with everybody because we felt so lucky to be up there. Okay. So um, we definitely did a little bit of a panorama with the camera so you could see. Okay. Yeah. I'll definitely so, check that out. Yeah, absolutely. All right. All right. Well, well Johnny, Gianni, thank, thank you for you. calling in. Oh, man, it's my pleasure. My pleasure to be here and to support. Man, uh, I can't wait to meet you again. Like, just one month left. Almost okay. one month left. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah. be there again. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. Send love to your family. Oh, I will. I will. Thank you so much. And, Terry, thank you for having me on the show. And hope to, to, to talk to you again soon. Thank well. you. It was my pleasure. Thank you. Ciao, my friend. <laughs> Th- Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. 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 Okay, Okay, so now, Terry, you have been the music director and and guitarist for a lot of different artists, but I want to ask you about two. One Mm -hmm. is Mike's all-time favorite artist, Anita Baker, and Eartha Kitt. Um, Tell me about working with... um, Yeah, let's start with Anita Baker since that's Mike's favorite. Okay, let me start by saying, um, just to interject, my very first tour that I did when I moved out here was playing with Billy Preston, which was incredible. Mm. So I got a real welcome into the the music business, you know, and toured Europe with that. So um, you wanted to ask about Eartha Kitt first? Is that what you Uh, said? Anita Baker. Anita Baker. Anita, okay. Um, Anita Baker, um, I had the the privilege of getting to work with it was only one time, but it was on a TV show. I used to music direct... Um, to, I actually music directed two late night talk shows, and the <clears throat> the second one was the Byron Allen show that I did for three years, and Anita was a guest on the show. So um, we always had such a I had such a great band. There was always at least one person in my band that had played on everybody's album. Like any any time we backed up an artist, somebody in my band had played on the original track. So um, for that particular one, it was both. It was Nathan East and Gerald Albright had had played on that record. So we, the band, half the band already knew the song. Um, but it was, um, you know, it was actually w- really fun to work with her. You know, I I um, had heard that that sometimes she could be a challenging artist to work with because she's like many of us a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. But um, it was I'm. I had a great experience. You know, it was a really great musical experience and um because her music touches so many people and she's a very emotional singer. So, um I I loved it. We, you know, there's I I wonder there might be some YouTube of that someplace too. You know, if if uh if I ever find any I'll I'll forward it to you. You know, to okay. both of you so you can hear it. But we um you know, it was a late night talk show and it and the thrill of doing it on TV was that it was sort of the best of of all worlds because we we were recording, so it was like making a record. Uh, but we were playing for a live audience in the studio, and then it's going out live to millions of people on TV. So it's a very exciting way to get to meet an artist. You know, mm-hmm. if you it, even if you only work with them one time, it's it's very memorable to do that because you you really have to be on your game. But. Um, being the music director, I also ended up doing the arrangement and, you know, and played guitar. So I, I got to be more hands-on and, and got to know her, you know, for a bit. We talked on the phone um, once prior to the event so I could you know, make sure that the key was right and the arrangement was right for what she wanted to do. And and then, um, you know, spent a day with her. 
It was very. It was pretty awesome. It was pretty awesome. Mm-hmm, okay. And Eartha yeah. Kitt? Eartha Kitt was super cool um, because um, that was on my first late night talk show. It was it was the Late Show on Fox, and I did that for a year. And they went through a phase where they were having reunion shows, and they had a Batman reunion show, which was and Eartha um, was one of the actors. She played Catwoman she, mm-hmm. on Batman, um, which I'm old enough to remember. So, you know, but mm-hmm. I also, being a musician, besides, you know, seeing her on TV playing a character on a, on a TV show from the 60s, I was also a big fan of her as, as a vocalist because she's really a very unique jazz vocalist. So uh, I, when I heard she was coming on the show, I was just really thrilled you know, to work with somebody of that caliber. And, um, you know, she was she was lovely, absolutely lovely, and, you know, grew up, you know, as an artist. And and um, it was so musical. It was, you know, it was actually it was one of, probably one of my first experiences working on TV, you know, performing music that was where I, I did something that I just felt extremely proud of. You know, to to bring a really high level of of performance to television with an artist that I had such deep respect for. So, you know, for me, it was um, it, I would say it was a pivotal experience because it was one of the first. You know, it was early in my television career, and uh, she was just so cool. You know, even you know, being older, she still could sing. You know, her voice sounded cool. She had all that that vibe and and sassiness that she had always that I'd heard on her records mm-hmm. you know and she she just did that live too so it was um it you know it was, it was cool and it was cool that in you know being on a tv show where they actually let you do some things that were not mainstream you know that was a little bit obscure mm-hmm. you know to to work with an artist you know doing something with Anita Baker that's kind of a no-brainer because she's a huge you know contemporary vocal star you know and and everybody knows her and you know so it makes sense but to try to get a jazz booking you know like an eclectic little bit to the left jazz booking on a network talk show is is not easy um but because it came in you know on the under the umbrella of you know her being part of an ensemble cast of a tv show um you know and then still being um respected as a vocalist you know like i i really appreciated i mean actually i remember being in, in the production meeting you know when they said we're doing a batman re- reunion and here's who's going to be you know on the show and they they put the whole cast together and when they said eartha kid i said we have to have her sing you know mm. would, would you consider that and they said yeah if she would you know that would be great you know so um i, I don't remember if i made the phone call or if, or if the the um talent booker did but um, we followed up on that and just said, let's you know, let's do a piece of music, too. And, yeah, and cool. uh, they, they they did. They supported it, you know. So it was kind of cool to get some sneak some jazz onto <laughs> to network television. And, For sure. <laughs> you know, I, you know, and I am a jazz musician, but I but I consider myself a pop musician. Mm-hmm. You know, I I love pop music and and even the music that I that I write uh, on my instrumental albums. You know, it's uh, I. I think it falls more in lines of pop instrumental. 
You know, I love hmm. playing pop music. You know, so. Okay. But music is music. You know, I went to a jazz school. I have a degree in arranging from Berkeley College in Boston. And, you know, for me, studying jazz kind of opened everything up. You know, it gives you a vocabulary and a facility to to be able to um, kind of put your foot in a lot of different styles of music because it teaches you how to listen. Mm. You know, mm. how to be, you know, really how to hear things in in with an open ear and an open mind and an open heart, you know, so, you know, to even, you know, to, to, I've, to find ways to, to see if there's something you can like about anything, you know, and it carries over into life as well for me. Um, I think that's just sort of part of my makeup. I'm <laughs> even in a bad situation. I'm, you know, you know, I mean, I put my foot down and, and take care of myself, but, you know, I'm still looking to, you know, go, well, at least the sky's blue. <laughs> <laughs> at least the sun is shining. Or, you know, I, I mean, you know, maybe it's a little bit of a survival skill, but it's it's also just a choice, you know, right, in life. Right. And, and it's part of my musical training, you know, to really, um, because in, in school we were exposed to things that, um, you know, quite frankly, some of them I, I didn't like. You know, I, I didn't understand it. I didn't like it. I don't think you have to like everything, but I think it's important to try, you know, and, and just see if there might be something there that you, you like, you know, just to be open to the possibility. And, you know, after, it's like tasting food. You know, if, you know, you just give it a shot. If somebody's really recommending it, you know, you don't have to like it, but you might. <laughs> you might you be might. surprised. Yeah, you, know, you, you never might know. like opera. You know, you might by accident turn out to like opera or, you know, Gregorian chants, which I don't like, or, or you know, rap or hip-hop or jazz or pop or R&B or, you know, rock or heavy metal or, you know, mariachi banda music. You know, just open it up. You know, it's a big world, but, you know, because it's still, it's notes. It's notes and rhythm and emotion and lyrics. It's, you know, it's just music. It's just music. I, I I think there's a connection, a deep deep connection between m- m- all styles of music. Mm, okay, yeah, we are talking. Now, now I was going to ask you, with you saying that, the kind of feedback on that, with all of the uh, schooling and the um, you know the investment that you guys put into the music, do you right. think that now that they should also incorporate into your learning about the the industry and the, the music about the promotion and the marketing of it as well, uh, especially with the advent of, like, say, social media, Facebook, things like that, because if you guys are learning about the notes, the playing, and, you know, and you guys are out there doing that, do you think that if you guys are going to, like, schools like Berkeley and other music schools, that they should also incorporate a uh, business-type class in, in the uh, training of you guys, especially if you're going to be, you know, professional yeah. musicians? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the answer is very simply yes, without a doubt. Hands down, absolutely. You know, and when I was at Berkeley, they did have music business classes then, and I believe they still do. Um, you know, I was there a long time ago, so, um, you know, it was pre-Twitter and Facebook and social media. But um, but I, I'm a big believer in learning about the business side of whatever you do, and it's a requirement. It's an absolute requirement. I, you cannot be a musician and not pay attention to business if you want to be a professional musician you have to and and the you know if people would teach it to us then we wouldn't have to be figuring it out on our own mm-hmm. so i True. i think it absolutely needs to and is being taught in schools i i have a couple friends that 
that professional musicians that are teaching music business classes or incorporate that into their their teaching and or mentoring you know and I do as well I think it's just really really important and I continue to learn about it I mean I'm I'm I just started working with uh, another social media uh, person that was recommended to me uh, and I'm really excited to be working with her because of all the things that she's going to be teaching me and all the things that we can do together that will broaden my audience and mm-hmm. um, you know expose more people to my music and expose me to more people. Okay. You know, it's a two-way street. Right. And um, you know, it's really it's interesting. I'm I'm working with a wonderful artist now, Melissa Manchester, who has been making. She's has 20 records out. You know, and she's been doing this a long time, and she's just really gifted. And I'm co-producing her new album, and it's Melissa's been, you know, she's an independent artist now, like myself. You know, and the whole industry has been changing. There are still record labels out there, and you know, and I have plenty of friends that are signed to record labels, but I have plenty of friends that are not, and many of them by choice, and some of them are fairly well known. They're pretty famous people. And they're they're putting their music out there independently because the whole music business has shifted and continues to shift daily. So, you know, Melissa is a great example of an artist who has had record deals her whole life, who is putting out an album next year that's independent. And you know, I'm learning along with her and teaching her what I know. And and you know, basically, um, you know. You know, we're both embracing the the importance of of being accountable for your own music. There's a freedom that I think uh, is there with being an independent artist. It certainly hasn't held me back. I mean, I don't know very many other people that have had a single on the charts for nine months. You know, in yeah. any any style of music. You know, and that's and the previous the the two following singles also charted on Billboard Top 20 and Smooth Jazz top 20 and you know so um a label was not required to do that but what is required to do that is is a willingness to learn about business you know and what it takes to get on the radio and to promote it and and um how to you know make sure that your forms are filled out properly so that you get your royalties for when your music's on tv or on the radio and you know all of those things so um Again, you know, I think it's a great question. Should should musicians be, um, you know, in, encouraged or forced to learn, you know, about the music business? Absolutely. You know, quite frankly, mm. you know, there's so many musicians. Uh, you know, uh, I say the word musicians. There's so many people making music that gets on the radio that don't even have a lot of formal music training anymore. So, you know, um, it's and it's not a judgment. It's just an observation. You know, there's there are many many people who, um, you know, learn how to put some loops up, and they get really really good at it, and it's and it's a skill that I respect. But they end up making records without really having spent thousands of hours practicing an instrument, you know, learning the craft of writing a lyric, and and um, and more importantly, you know, looking back. You know, looking historically at at the music that's come before us, you know, so that you can learn. Because, like, 
as my friend Jackie Bertoni, had, when he called in, he was talking about his mentors and and the mentors that preceded them. And, you know, we all learn by listening to music. You know, we emulate the music that we grew up on, uh, you know, and you you find guitar players and drummers and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm influenced by everybody, you know, singer-songwriters, guitar players, sax players, drummers, um, you know, lyricists and... So, but but I think it's always really important. Um, you know, when I when I I joined Keb Mo's band for a year and, and toured with him, and got a a fast track you know history lesson on blues. You know, and because you know I wanted to see how to authentically approach you know playing with a blues artist, and you know Keb Mo had me go back and listen to the people that he had listened to. You know, he he basically, I went and I just started borrowing CDs from him and DVDs and, and you know, just looking. And then, you, you know, looking back, you know, and and finding, you know, he had said, you don't need to emulate everybody. Just find somebody that you like. You know, I'm I'm going to play a lot of things for you, you know, Muddy Waters and, you know, on and on, the obvious. But he said, you might find something that's a little more obscure that I play for you that you just that resonates with you. So whatever it is, start there. Just listen mm. to it. Try to figure out. Try to copy the the the, the notes, the feeling, the tone, the <clears throat> just the you know even the the feel. You know whether you play on top of the beat or behind the beat, and you know how consistent you are about it. How how technically precise you are, or how sloppy. You are, you know, sometimes being a little bit deliberately slo- deliberately sloppy or playing just a little greasier and a little on the backside of the beat is very cool to be able to do that. You know, so, mm-hmm. you know, you, I, you wouldn't know that as a musician if you haven't been exposed, if you d- had, don't dig. You know, you look, just get a shovel and a flashlight and, <laughs> and have your instrument in your hand or paper and pencil, even, you know, even as a lyricist. You know, go go listen to, you know, just just the classic, you know, you know, just go back, listen to the kind of songs that were being written. As a matter of fact, this is this is it came full circle for me because last year, um, after Buddha's Ear album came out, I was uh, encouraged to start working on my next record <laughs> really quickly because of all the success. So. I ended up putting out a Christmas record called A Joyful Noise. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, going and choosing Christmas songs uh, was an interesting process for me because, first of all, who needs another Christmas album? I mean, seriously. I mean, <laughs> there's, there have been so many great, great Christmas albums. You know, why would you do it? And, if, and then once you get past the why, how do you do it to make it interesting? So... I went and listened to all of these great classic songs, you know, in the same way, like, you know, just like a Cole Porter or a Gershwin tune, you, you listen to the, the, the flow of the melody or, or just the, the, the lyricism of the, the words, you know, how there's the, the rhyme structures that people use. But, you know, so going to these Christmas tunes, it turns out that the Christmas classics are amazingly composed songs. Lyrically and, and melodically, they're 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 gems. They're brilliant pieces of music. And and as I went back and started listening to them, I always went back to the source. 
you know, I would find out who wrote the song, you know, and then go back to listen to the original recording of the person that wrote that song so that I could hear what their intention was with it and then not copy it, but just, but go back to the source for inspiration. And then I would inevitably find something about the original recording that spoke to me, you know, and it might not even be an obvious thing. It might be like a, a hi-hat part or the way the lyric is backphrased vocally or just something, the, the, you know, the sound of the bass or just, you know, they're a muted trumpet part, something in the performance. And, you know, and I would find that and then, then I would take that idea and run with that. I would say, here's something that inspires me about this song in addition to the song inspiring me. And it enabled me to find... Um, my own unique way to to put my spin on these Christmas songs and and you know what I had this really brings it full circle you know normally when I'm recording I would have like a chord chart in front of me like an, an arrangement you know because I did the arrangement so I would have a written chord chart or a melody or something as a guide to follow I would ha- I put the lyric sheets on the music stand even though I was playing instrumental versions I wanted to read the lyrics as I was playing so that I could continue to be inspired by the original intention of, of the songs. And to me, that, that gave the songs more depth and more um, dimension than to just play the notes in the chorus. Okay, Cause, okay. Because that's been done, you know. That's been done, and it's been done really well. So I didn't need to do that. <laughs> you know, I needed mm. to, 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 to do it my way. And, you know, and I think that's, for me, that's something that... that is missing in in some music now you know with a new generation of musicians um you know where they just they don't look back from where we came from you know i think history on every level certainly artistic as an artist but you know certainly culturally you know we don't need to live in the past but we need to look and see where we came from so we can learn from it and grow from it and and as as um, has been said, stand on the, the shoulders of our, you know, our forefathers, and you know, and you know, you know, bump it up a notch. You know, we do that by, I think, you know, I do by being inspired by, you know, people that have gone before me, and then again, you know, when, making it your own. You know, when I first started studying music seriously in junior college in Miami, before I went to Berkeley. You know, I mean, I, you know, grew up playing music, but when I made a conscious decision, you know, to start taking classes and music theory classes and seeing if I could make a go of it, you know, one of my first guitar teachers there said the the hardest thing to do is to find your own voice as an artist, you know, mm-hmm. as a musician, as a guitarist, mm-hmm. you know, to, you know, so that when when you play one note, everybody knows who you are. You know, and I found that when you know when I was working with Joe Sample and the Crusaders, the, you know, one of my first jobs when I moved to Los Angeles in 1981, I had the extreme privilege of of being Joe's assistant and working with with that band. And and you know, when Joe would sit down at the piano and play one that first chord, whatever that note is, it's the same, you know, wood and steel strings and you know and pedals that everybody else hit, but it was just you could tell it was him. It, it Always, just has this yes. thing. Always, yeah. you know. And yeah. same thing with Oscar Peterson or, you know, there's just, you know, there's some people you just know. And I, I would, you know, I sitting on the piano bench next to him, 
physically and watching, you know, just experiencing how that happened, uh, you know, it, it gave me a good sense of direction on, you know, how to um, strive for that, you know, because I could clearly see what it was. It's, it's hard to define, you know, but it's clear as day when you're sitting next to somebody. And again, I mean, you know, you know, you're not even sitting in the room, but when you hear a Joe Sample record, you know it's Joe playing piano. Sure. And so that's something Definitely. I strive for, you know, as a guitarist, as much as I've, you know, worked at being a chameleon and versatile and being able to, you know, play in music director with Wilson Phillips or Billy Preston or, you know, Anita Baker, all these other amazing artists that I've, that I've gotten to work with, um, you know, I still have simultaneously worked on developing my own voice. And, you know, I think for me some of that is just, um, I mean, certainly, you know, emulating, you know, like any great musician, you go back and you listen and you copy and you you try to figure out how they they did that. How did they play that? How did they approach that? Mm-hmm. Um, and I still do that. You know, I'm, I'm learning a John Mayer song today for this. Um, I'm doing a duo show at Spagatini with Melanie Taylor on Wednesday. You know, where we're just guitar and voice, and we're going to go down there. Actually, we're bringing a special guest, Jeff Paris, as well to play piano and guitar and sing, but. You know, we're still stripping the songs down to, you know, down to the basics. So, you know, before this call today, you know, I had my acoustic guitar and up on YouTube, you know, listening and looking at John Mayer and how does he play such and such song so that I could really see how he approaches it, you know, as mm-hmm. a writer. And then, of course, make it my own. Well, Terry, you know, um, I, I'm... Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to have to cut the show. We we have about four minutes left in the show, and I just wanted to um, let everyone know that about your your two CDs, Buddha's Ear and the Christmas CD, A Joyful Noise, um, and they can go to your website, terrywoman.com, for both of those. And you Mm -hmm. said you're going to be at Spogs this Wednesday. Where else are you going to be? Uh, Also doing um, a Spogatini show on December 22nd. It's my second annual Christmas show, so it's the Sunday before Christmas. And uh, other than that, I'm in the studio working. I'm doing playing around town with a couple of other artists, and um, but also hold up in my studio working on my 25-year best of compilation that'll be out next year. Oh, and we would love to have you back when that comes out. We'd love to have. I'll make sure to get you a copy, and yeah, you'll be one of the first. And anytime, I'd be happy to come back. And you asked such. I know I went off on a. (laughs) This is a very unique um, interview because it's been a very honest and. And truthful one, but your questions have been all both of you and um, really good questions. So you know, if I am um, kind of carried on a little bit long, it was because you ins- you you challenged me and and inspired me to give clear answers to some very good questions. Well, thank you. I don't normally you, talk this much. <laughs> <laughs> you gave me great advice. For any um, uh, artists or musicians out there um, listening, you gave some great advice as well. Um, so thank you for that. And, again, yeah. um, definitely let's have you back on when the 25th um, anniversary CD comes out and okay. um, your Best Stuff CD for sure. And thank you yeah. for giving us an opportunity. You're so welcome. I, I really enjoyed speaking with you and to everybody that called in, to both of you. and. And uh, and thank you for um, inviting me to be a guest on your show. And, and I so appreciate the work that you're doing as well. Thank, thank you very much. Yeah, I appreciate for, that. Thank, uh, happy yeah, holidays to you and your family. You too. And, happy Thanksgiving. Right. 
Thank you. You too. All right. Talk to you, you soon. You take care. Bye-bye. Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. That was guitarist Terry Wolman. His current CD is called Buddha's Ear. His Christmas CD is called A Joyful Noise, and you can find that on his website, terrywolman.com. That's W-O-L-L-M-A-N.com. All right, Mike, quickly, you have anything else to add? Nothing else to add, Trey. That's it for me. All right. Well, let me thank um, Alain. Alain, uh, I'm sure I am mispronouncing her name. Um, she okay. is still on. Would you please pronounce your name again, please? <laughs> Alain. Hi, it's Al. Alain. Alain. Well, thank you again, Alain, for calling in. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. All right, and, and we also want to. I'm sorry. And for having Terry, I enjoyed it. Okay. I also want to thank Jackie uh, Bertoni for calling in as well, Joe from Germany in the chat room, and all of the other guests. Thank you for joining us. You've been listening to Talking Smooth Jazz with your host, the Jazz Queen. And Mike Reynolds. And we look forward to Talking Smooth Jazz with you again next time. Until then, keep it smooth. Thank you for listening to Talking Smooth Jazz. Please visit our website. TalkingSmoothJazz.com and Mastermind-Entertainment.com Join our Facebook fan and group pages and follow us on Twitter at Jazz underscore Queen and The Daily Grind. That's T-H-A Daily Grind. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.